So welcome along to the first ever press panel on Wolves Radio. I'm Wolves TV's Mikey Burrows, and with me is the Athletics Wolves reporter Steve Maidley, the Birmingham Mail's Alex Dickon, and the Express and Stars' Nathan Tudor. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. There has been a lot going on in terms of reporting on Wolverhampton Wanderers this week. It's probably the best week to start this show, if ever there was one. Steve, I'll come to you first. The big news, the only news, the departure of Bruno Large. I guess the obvious question that a lot of people have been asking themselves in the last week is, is what went wrong? Well, I'm probably the least well qualified to answer, to answer that question on, on this panel because I only started covering Wolves this, this summer, but I have been covering football for, for quite a few years now. That the risk of making myself sound really old, and you just you just kind of get a feeling when when something's not right and when it's not going to work out. And I must admit, from fairly early on in the season, I kind of got that sense about Bruno Large, and that was in contrast to pre-season actually, where I went out to Spain to Spain for pre-season, and it was it was looking quite promising. Uh, Alex was was out there as well. They were, they were playing some decent football, scoring a few goals looking quite fluid but but really from that first day at Leeds you, you just never felt right and from things we've been told since it happened I mean people are always a bit, feel a bit freer to to speak afterwards I just I just don't think that the chemistry ever really got established between Bruno Large and the players who, who obviously come off the back of a fantastic working relationship with with, with Nuno prior to, to Bruno coming in and I just feel that it never looked like they were particularly clear on what he, what he wanted from them. And, and I think that, that probably was the case. Because Alex, as I say, Steve has an interesting viewpoint of having taken over in his role from just this season, kind of going further back. I guess there'll be a lot of fans who will point to the back end of last season and kind of taking both that period and this period into consideration. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think we got here from where we were in January last year when Bruno was, you know, the in thing, the team were playing really well. They're playing good football, getting good results. Uh, Man of the Manager of the Month in January as well. And then there was that kind of run towards the end of last season where, you know, they were pretty abysmal, to be honest. They didn't like win many of those games uh, at the tail end of last season. And there was always that concern that if that carried on, that he would lose his job. Um and, you know, it's came, what, eight games into this season, so he didn't last long at all. But one win in 15 Premier League games dating back to April uh, is a very, very poor record. And um, I think we're looking at a lot of other managers in this league in the opening weeks of the season. You know, Steve Cooper at Forest, Brendan Rodgers, Steven Gerrard has been under more pressure than Bruno. But when you look at the record, Bruno was was down there and um, he's paid the price. He'll point to... To injuries, they had a few injuries end of last season. Max Kilman missed the final few games. Ruben Neves, you know, his injury against Leeds came at a, an awful time, given how well he was playing and the team was playing. And you know, Raul Jimenez had problems as well this season. It's not been good in the striking department. So there's been an element of luck there as well. But ultimately, in football, you can make your own luck sometimes. And and Wolves haven't looked like scoring a lot of the games this season, uh, which has been the biggest issue. You know, he arrived with almost a promise of bringing attacking football to Wolves and after a season of, of struggling under Nuno and not you know, being great going forward. But he wasn't able to do that last season. He hasn't nailed to do it this season. I think that's probably what's cost him in the end because the defensive record was good. It's just you know goals, win games. Strange in that sense, isn't it? And we saw from the statement, especially from the comments of our executive chairman, Jeff Shee, in terms of um, how highly he clearly rated Bruno. And 
And I guess there were mitigating circumstances because you've seen a lot of the games that it's not necessarily that Wolves have been really poor in every match they've played. So what do you put it down to, Alex, as to as to what's not quite worked? It's difficult because against Spurs, they were very, very good for the first 45 minutes, created some decent chances uh, and probably should have gone in at half time, one or two goals up. Uh, but, you know, that was the story of it for Wolves. They didn't take those chances and they come out second half and, and Spurs score one, and that was enough to win the game because, you know, inevitably when Wolves go goal down, they rarely come back. So that's, you know, if you could put a game to kind of epitomise the Bruno Large era at Wolves, that would be it for me. They played well in spells very well, you know, took the game to a team that will challenge for the, the top four this season, probably finish in the top four. But ultimately they lost that game 1-0, and, and that's been the story so often. You know, Wolves played some good football at times, uh, probably got better results when they were more pragmatic. Ultimately, he wasn't able to deliver what he what he wanted to deliver, and and it cost him his job in the end. Let's bring Nathan in because Nathan, I always say you speak to the fans more than anybody else. We always see you rushing off in the last couple of minutes of games <laughs> to get outside with your camera and whatnot. Um, it, it kind of feels like some of the fans' responses at West Ham was probably a, a key reason for the decision that we saw made. Yeah, I mean, Mikey, it just felt like a watershed moment. I mean, we did a poll on the Express and Star going into that game with do you back Bruno Bruno Large to get it right? I think the overall poll was was yes, 40%, no, 60%. We did this same poll two days after West Ham and it was 95% to no, he's, he's, he's not the right man to take Wolves forward. It definitely felt like a watershed moment to me. I think realistically from the fans, there's been a frustration there for a long time. And when you've got the easiest schedule of, to open a Premier League season, whether you've got your right players in or not in those first six games, it's not the Manchester City result. It's not the West Ham result that, that got Bruno Large the sack. It was the fact that they did not create chances. They did not score goals. They did not get any anywhere near the amount of points they should have done in those first six games. And I think that the fans were pretty patient and they understood that, that, that people need time to bed in. But when you're when you're putting your you know one of the best central midfielders in the world at centre back, it's a risky business. And if it went wrong, then you knew that he was he was in trouble. And I felt that the vitriol coming out of that game and speaking to the fans and speaking, you know, to them, they were they were genuinely angry for the first time. There's frustration and there's upset after games, and especially straight after games, you could understand it. There was genuine anger coming from the majority of people, and I think that's when I knew um, once you've lost the fans. It's a it's a long road back, and uh, and yeah, the writing was on the wall for me. I think that's no, spot on. I think West Ham was such a watershed moment for so many different reasons that the team selection appeared muddled from the start. The performance appeared appeared muddled for pretty much the entire game. There was the the first real kind of loud discontent that I've heard from fans inside a stadium. I was kind of taking it outside the, the social media environment, and then I thought after the game, Bruno himself just appeared rattled for the first time. I, I've really seen it. I mean, in my time covering Wolves, albeit pretty brief, I found him to be a really charming man to deal, to deal with, really composed and affable in press conferences, and that just wasn't the case after West Ham. You could tell that he was he was just tetchy and he was rattled. I guess, Steve, Nathan made that point there, that it's not, it's not a reaction to the last game, is it, or the last two games. We talk about West Ham being a watershed, but as Alex was mentioning, it's... Football momentum is always important in football, isn't it? And it just maybe felt that uh, I, I use the phrase sometimes that you need luck, right? And it's inexplicable 
how sometimes some coaches, some managers, some players are lucky, some aren't. And it maybe felt like Wolves just weren't getting the luck they needed in the last couple of weeks, maybe last couple of months. I think so. But I, th- but I think also, as Alex or, or, or Nathan said a few minutes ago, Bruno Lodge came in with promises of a new brand of football, an exciting attacking brand of football. And to me, that always just began to feel like that pot of gold at the, at the end of the rainbow that you keep that you keep on chasing. And he keeps on saying, oh, it's getting closer, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. But, but to my eyes, it never really felt like it was getting any closer. In fact, it felt like the longer he, he was working with the players, the further away that that was getting. When that was the case, Nathan mentioned the, the really inviting start to the season that, that they had, that, those six games. Well, if you look after Chelsea, then they've got another five of, of those games coming up, which which will kind of take them in, in, into the World Cup break. And if they're going to avoid having a really, really long season, in which it's a, a season-long relegation battle, they've really got to cash in on, on, on those five games to, to some extent. And it just felt like the club had to make a decision to try to at least give themselves a chance of making the most of those five games. Because there's an element, isn't there, Alex, whereby you look at the summer that we had, I think probably one of the best transfer windows for a very long time Uh, I don't think Bruno Lage could ever really say that he wasn't backed and supported by the club this summer not just that either I mean I know Steve touched on it earlier but we you know we all went out to pre-season with Wolves and um, they had a great camp in Benidorm I mean they wanted to go obviously to the US that didn't pan out in the end but they had this perfect camp you know 10 days in Benidorm where they just trained and played games um, it was almost a perfect pre-season. You know, that you can't really judge much into pre-season games because at the end of the day, you know, some of the opponents they played out there were, were far behind Wolves in terms of preparation. But it, it looked good, uh, which is why the start of the season has been so perplexing. But um, going back to transfers, like you say, uh, he was backed. You know, Bruno has, has talked in the past, in the past two transfer windows before that. There was a lot of sympathy there, I think, from fans in that, he didn't kind of have the players that everyone felt he needed to implement a new style of play. Whereas this summer, you know, the owners, in fairness to them, did give him that money. They spent over £100 million, signed some absolutely top-class players on paper in Mateus Nunes, Gonzalo Guedes as well, players that Bruno wanted. Nathan Collins he looks a fantastic player already. So it's almost like there's, there's, there's kind of, they've taken away his excuses, you know, and they've kind of given him what he wants. And they've given him a little bit of time and, and it's not worked out. And it didn't look like it was going to work out towards the end, to be honest. Because Nathan, it's the old adage, football is not played on paper, but on paper, this is a very good Wolves squad, right? It's an, um, it, it, it's an incredible Wolves squad. And um, I said that it's a great job for someone coming into this football club because, you know, the, the side in the bottom three, for me, it is still a top eight squad. And I'm not just saying a top eight team. I'm saying a top eight squad when everybody's fit and available. And I, and I still truly believe that outside that top six in the Premier League, you've got plenty of opportunity to really do some damage and, and, and push for the European positions. Now, I, I don't think for a, for a second that, that that'll be the, the aim for a manager coming in. Let's get into Europe. But at the same time, you know, you can quite easily establish this squad, get them back into mid-table and, and have a good go at the cup competitions. This is for all three of you. If the new manager was listening to this, whoever that's going to be, what are the, the things that you think are going to be top of the to-do list in terms of what needs to be done or sorted out, whether it's to do with the team, whether it's to do with individuals? What, what comes to your mind? Well, I think team's the most important thing. We did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and for me, it's not a team out there. It's 11 individuals. And I feel a manager 
who has got strong tactical advice, who knows exactly what he does, who demands the respect from the players. But they've got to start playing. You've got to start having identity. We know that Sasha's not going to be available until the back end of last this season at very best. We know that you know Raul Jimenez is going to be missing for multiple weeks. So you've got to look and see how can you win games with the squad that you've got at this moment. Diego Costa is a match winner. But we don't know what Diego Costa is going to be like. I thought he looked pretty good at West Ham when he came on. But you've got to play to his strengths if that's the one you want to aim. So do you play two in midfield or do you play three in midfield? For me, a side scored three goals in the Premier League all season. So you've got to go two in midfield. You've got to play the three in behind, and you've got to get you've got to get Diego Costa up top, and you've got to get the supply coming out, whether that's Madama Traore, you know, Guedes, or you know, or Daniel Pedence. But you've got to start scoring goals, and the person who's coming in has got quality in abundance in that squad, but he's got to get this side scoring goals. I think Nathan's right. I think I think what I'm going to say kind of it sounds easy, but 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 it's anything but really. But you've, you've really got really got to simplify things because it looked in the, in the final few weeks under Bruno like it was all just really confusing and muddled. And I think the new manager just needs to get back to a really kind of basic level of tactics almost, so the players are comfortable. They all understand the, the roles. And then secondly, he's got he's got to find a way somehow. And this is where it's much easier said than done of getting some goals with, with this squad. And this is one area where I have got a lot of sympathy with, with Bruno in that. He's been very unlucky. He lost Raul Jimenez. He lost uh, Sasha Kolaidic after less than 45 minutes. He, he got Huanga in, uh, injured. So somehow the new manager has, has got to find a way with maybe without uh, a 90-minute striker to get this team scoring goals. I think for me, a style of play is key. Just a clear style of play. You know, Nuno, I think in the early days, the first three seasons had that. I think since final season, also since he left, when he tried to change things in his final season and to now, I've not really been sure how Wolves have been trying to play. Are they a possession-based team? Are they a team that still suits a counter-attacking style? Um, I think they're a bit of mix and match. And, you know, even last season when they got the best results, I said earlier, it was still playing a kind of defensive, a more defensively-minded brand of football. But now they've got the players, i.e. Mateus, Neves, Matinho, Neto, Pedence. They've got a lot of quality attacking players that could you know, thrive in a system that, that plays an attacking style of football and, and dominates the ball. I think Bruno, to be fair to him, always said that, you know, the players we've got, it suits us having the ball. I'd like to see whether it's, you know, pragmatic or defensive or counter-attacking or even attacking. I'd just like to see a manager that comes in, uh, has a clear philosophy and also has the conviction to stick with it and not, you know, chop and change when, you know, if the first couple, two or three results are tough, it just changes straight away and goes back to something else. I'd like to see a manager who comes in and has the courage to stick with it and and show as an actual philosophy. It is a debate that's raised for a long time, Nathan. The the idea of, you know, Wolves have been a three at the back team, they've been a four at the back team this season. Do they play three midfielders or two midfielders and a number 10? Do they play inverted wingers or natural outside wingers? And now they've got Costa as a target man up top. I mean, if you're the new person coming in, there's actually... Uh, we've talked about how good the players are, but it's kind of a blank canvas, right? Because you've got a lot of different things that could happen in in the style that whoever there is might want to play. You've got a blank, you've got a blank canvas, and you've also got a fan base that have tasted incredible success in a time frame that no one ever expected. And I think there's an expectation there. A new manager has just got to get the players smiling again, get them happy, get them scoring goals. 
there's so many ways that this, this team can play because of the quality that they've got. And yes, there needs to be an addition or two. Of course, they've got January to, to look after it. And the manager who comes in now has got six to seven games to really work out what they can do, get some results in the meantime, and then reassess, see what needs to be done to, to get the best out of this side. And it only needs, for me, one or two more additions for this to be an absolutely top-class side. These are Rolls-Royce players. They really are, but they've got to start showing it. And for me... As long as that they're happy and they're training and that they can, you know, get the best out of them, they can play in a different, a completely. There's so many formations that they can play. It's it's untrue, but they just need to start scoring goals for me, and that's the most important thing. And I think any manager who comes in, that that's the that's the most important thing. As regards players, is there anybody who stands out to you that a new manager will need to? to focus on or will try and build the team around or will feel that they can get more out of who stands out? The obvious one that you build your team around is Ruben Devers, isn't it? But I think it'd be hard pressed for any manager to come in and get more out of him with the way he started the season because he's been outstanding, hasn't he? The player who I think the manager would want to get more of or out of if he's fit in the near future, which is, I guess, the question mark at the moment, is Pedro Neto. I think we all we all watched him in pre-season and he, he looked like he was going to be back back to something like his, his best and then it just hasn't happened for him in the in the first eight games of, of this season. And he's such a potential match winner on his, on his day. So any new manager, he's first going to want to get him fit, which hopefully that, that injury he suffered last week isn't too bad. And then really, really get him firing because he's the kind of player who can get you half a dozen goals and half a dozen assists to, to really get you away from that danger area. I think, sorry to, to butter that, I, th- I think Neves is key, but I think you know what you're getting from Ruben Neves and, and you're always going to get absolute professionalism and he knows exactly what to do. For me, apart from that first 45 minutes we saw at Spurs, I think Matias Nunes is the person who you need to get something more out of because, you know, they, they, they broke the, the transfer record for him, this, this box-to-box type of player, but also someone who can, who can bring in that, that front three or bring in that front four the way that they're going to play and score goals and assists at the same time. And I don't think we've seen that. And like I say, I think that's because they were struggling for a lack of identity. Whether they're going to play, you know, 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-2, it, it doesn't matter. Matias Nunes has got to be key for me in this side in an attacking sense, to bring these wide players forward. Adama Traore is someone who I know is some, someone loves, people love, some people hate him, and he, he is chalk and cheese. But I tell you what, he's a match winner. And for me, if I'm a left-back, I don't want to see Adama Traore's name on that team sheet. And I still think there's something with him. And I understand that he's not signed a contract. I understand he's going to walk through the end of the season. But for me, you've got to be in the season that do the best in this season. This is forget about next year. You know, the Wolves are in the bottom three. Let's let's not mess about here. Wolves are in the bottom three of the Premier League. I want match winners in my side. If you can get a tune out of Adama Traore, goodness me, that's going to help Diego Costa absolutely to start scoring goals in this side. I was going to say Adama as well. I mean, you know, when we touch back to when Wolves were best in 2019-20, Adama Traore was their best player for most of that season. You know, he was absolutely fantastic. Bruno's almost kind of discounted him in the last the last 12 months. Obviously, he spent that time in Barcelona, but almost discounted him as a, a starting player and just used him almost exclusively from the bench. I do think if you can get a tune out of Adama Traore, you've got their, you know, one of the most devastating wingers in European football on your hands. And it's not just that, you know, he takes two or three players out of the game each time because of how, how difficult he is to handle. So if you can get a fully fit and firing Adama Traore, even if he is out of contract next summer, even if he is about to leave at a free transfer, I think that's going to be a huge asset to Wolves and whoever this new manager is. 
the best we've seen of, of Raul Jimenez was when Adama Traor was on the side. We had Adama Traor on the right, you had Diogo Jota on the left, and you had, you had, and you had um, Raul Jimenez in the centre. There's no, there's no coincidence that's when you saw the best out of Raul Jimenez. Now, when he does come back, who are you telling me who would he rather have on that right hand side? I guarantee it's Adama Traor. And like Alex says, he takes two or three players away, whether he's on the ball or whether he's off the ball. And not just attacking, not just in attacking, but in a defensive sense as well. He takes players away from the ball. So it's, it's for, me, for me, he could be vital, absolutely vital. Probably one of the person at the bottom of the list of Bruno, that Bruno had this season who could go to the top to be someone who's integral to how this side is going to perform and finish up this season. I think all three of those strikers we've also got, you know, Costa, Jimenez and Kaladzic. I think, I think they're all going to want to play with Traore's. And yes, he has got those, you know, the obvious speed quality, which comes in very handy when an opposition defence is tired late in a game. But it doesn't matter really whether those defenders are tired or fresh as a daisy because a Domitrior is going to go past them if he runs at them. So for me, that's the, that's the biggest kind of thing I would, I'd want to see from a new manager in terms of playing personnel. I'd want to see someone who, even if it's for six months, get the best out of a Domitrior because he can drag walls up the league. And you saw what he could do. You saw at West Ham, he came on for that little cameo. And what did you see him? Float, lovely ball into Diego Costa, who, who had it just right and should have probably scored. You know, that was in 15, 20 minutes. It was, it was more than what Wolves had created all afternoon, to be honest. So, yeah, I think that could be, that could be absolutely key. Just a, a quick thought from each of you, really, on, on this weekend, uh, Chelsea, because uh, <laughs> obviously no Nathan Collins, no Ruben Neves. Steve Davis and James Collins, Steve, have an interesting job to kind of pick everybody up and stick a team out there to go and, and get something. If that is, obviously, that will be their target. How realistic is it? In a way, it's a great game for them, isn't it? It's, it's a free hit. After the week they've had, with caretaker managers in charge, with at least two key players out and possibly, possibly more, no one expects anything, anything from them. So to me, it's, a, it, it's a, a good game in a way. Just, just to pick a simple system the best player you've got available in each position in, in, in that system and just, just go, go and give it a go. Try to be hard to beat. Get the ball out wide. Get crosses into Diego Costa. If you can get 50 minutes and an hour, an hour out, out of him, then just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. I think, in a way, Steve Davis and James Collins would, would almost rather have this game than have a, a real high-pressure home game where, where they're expected to get points. From their point of view, I think it's, like Steve said, a free hit. They're both going back to their to their jobs anyway. So as you know, in the in the youth development setup, so two experienced coaches, they've worked both together at Crew to set set the team up to to have a go, but within reason. You know, don't fully open up and let Chelsea score four or five. But you know, Wolves have done really well against Chelsea in the, in the recent games. Last season, a two two and a nil nil. Season before, they beat them and obviously lost one as well. So uh, Chelsea is a team that Wolves have in recent history at least done quite well against. So I wouldn't. I think Wolves have got anything, anything to fear. I reckon they can go there and actually get a result again. Yeah, I, I agree with the agree, agree with these two. Um, look, pressure's off. Pressure's off. Just go and enjoy the game, guys. Um, let's let's play. Let's play proper football. Let's play def- central defenders as central defenders. Let's play midfielders as midfielders. Let's play strikers as strikers. Let's not get too overcomplicate things. Um, they've got a decent record at Chelsea, actually. They've, they've got they've had some decent results there. Um, it would not surprise me if they go there and go 1-0 up. I promise you, with everything that's gone on, I'm predicting it now. Wolverhampton Wonders will go 1-0 up at Stamford Bridge. Now, I'd rather they go 1-0 up in the 85th minute than the 5th minute, but I'll take a goal, to be honest, this season. It's a free hit. It's one that they can go and enjoy. And let's be honest, some of these players, some of these top-class, world-class players, 
who have played Champions League football and top European fo- football, they play better against some of the better sides. We might see the best out of them. So, and of course, you know, you've got the amazing narrative of Diego Costa going back to Stamford Bridge as well. Something's going to happen in this game. I'm telling you now, something is going to happen in this game that goes, that goes against the rubber of the green. And I think that Wolves could quite easily go there and just shock a couple. I'm not saying they're going to go and win, but there'll be something, there'll be something in that afternoon that will not be an easy home win. And it will knock a lot of accumulators out of probably my, probably my accumulator and a lot of others in the country. And I'll be quite happy to lose my money. That's a perfect way to finish because I think everybody would be very happy if Nathan loses money. Nathan, Jim, <laughs> yeah. Alex Dickin, and Steve Maley, thank you very much indeed for being part of the press panel. <laughs>